Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, hello, and welcome along to the latest Forza Italian football podcast. As ever, I am your host, Connor Clancy, and joining me, as is becoming tradition now, are two lovely people. Kevin Pogazelski, you are one. Hello. Hi, Connor. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. A little bit under the weather, but I'm getting through this on the, the adrenaline that I've received from having ticked off every Serie A club this season. Yeah, well I, have, I have now seen every... Serie A club live in the flesh this season and I'm very very pleased with myself so you should thanks mate I appreciate it and then also joining us is the ever reliable Vito Doria Vito hello hello hi Connor um, good to be here been a busy week for me away from the pod but uh, still fitting in enough time to discuss another end of Serie A action well we're on top of your list of priorities every week Vito let's, let's be honest I know it the <laughs> listeners know it there's no point in trying to hide it. Okay, no, guys. Um, let's let's dive straight in where, where the action has temporarily finished for this week, at least because, of course, Atalanta do play away in Cagliari tomorrow. But the biggest game of the weekend was probably Roma-Milan. It ended one each. A lot of people are talking about the referees. I don't particularly want to. Kev, what I want to speak about is Gianluigi Donnarumma to start with because he was... He looked like the goalkeeper we all thought he was going to be tonight. And it was him that gave Milan a point tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I've been, I've been a little critical of him earlier in the season. And you, you tend to forget that he's not only young as a footballer, but he's also young for a goalkeeper and probably won't come into his, to his prime maybe for, for some time. But, you know, he made a couple of stunning state saves, particularly the sort of double the double one to then deny uh, Dzeko on the on the second attempt and, and absolutely clean out his defender at the same time and it's a, it's that sort of it's that sort of confidence and indecisiveness that you you want to see from him because that's what that was the mistakes he was making earlier in the season he was coming for stuff that he probably shouldn't have come for flapping at a few crosses and uh, yeah it's nice to see him um, back playing as he as he was when he first uh, broke into the team really. What do you think the issue was then? Because we all know he's always had this ability, right? And but for longer than perhaps a normal dip in form would last, he he was quite below the standards that he had made us expect of him. And is it just because of what was going on behind the scenes? No, I think there'll be an element of uh, what was going on with his uh, contract issue and the the potential move to to Juve, but. I think also it's slightly what you've just mentioned. It's it's the standards that he set when he came into the team. He he he'd never really had a a gradual progression to becoming this you know this excellent keeper. Um, you know he he took the place of of, of goalkeepers far senior than than he is. Um, uh, you know and, and was stunning quite frankly. And I think it, it's just that it's 
it, you're making a rod for your own back because you're going to have to maintain those, uh, you know, that level of quali- um, quality. Yeah, Vito, do you think it was just something that's to be expected, especially because Kev did say he's, he's a young guy and he did just set the bar so high for himself from the first second. That's what happens when uh, expectations are placed on young players, especially Italian ones, and uh, they have to go through that experience. Uh, I reckon the contract situation with him did not help, and I reckon that was more of an issue than anything on the field or on the training ground. Now this season we are seeing back into the form that we've uh, known from him when he started, and... Hopefully it continues because he is still, in my view, probably the best young Italian goalkeeper going around. Yeah, there was, there was a trend throughout a lot of last season after he had annoyed the Milan fans basically up until Christmas maybe where people were quite fond of saying that he's not even the in the top, I don't know, two or three young Italian goalkeepers. But Kev, in the cold light of day, he's outstanding when he's on it and he is the future of Italian goalkeeping yeah he is and I, I, you know looking back at some of the other games this weekend when you see that Juve made the move for Perrin um, and obviously mainly, they mainly do play Chesney but um, you know if I was them I probably would have made a another attempt at Donnarumma um, because you know Perrin could have gone and filled that role at uh, San Siro if, if needed um, you know, and it would have been maybe it was a bit too close to be like the investment that they made in Buffon uh, decades ago that that paid off really, really well for them. If we are going to talk about signings, let's talk about this January because Vito, um, Christoph Piontek has gone to AC Milan, and boy, has he hit the ground running there! He got he got himself two goals in midweek, and he scored another one tonight, and. He's just picked up where he left off at Genoa. Absolutely. I'm glad that he has left the dark side for somewhere where the grass is a bit more greener. But uh, he's uh, he's definitely maintained that form. And he just looks like a natural goal scorer. He doesn't seem overwhelmed by expectations or his age. He's just got that natural uh, instinct that you'd expect from an out-and-out striker. And, uh, you know... His technique can be quite clean at times too. It's not like it's always in a rush. And in that particular moment where he scored from Paqueta's assist, I think it was just very smart of him how to make that run and just stick his leg out. Yeah, he's he's been unbelievable. I remember, I think it was in the first round of fixtures. Or no, it was the second. The first round of fixtures of the season was at Torino. The second and basically every round between the second and sixth, I was in Genoa either watching them or Samp, and I saw him a lot. and It just kind of blew me away how clinical he was because he's not always the most involved, but if the ball comes anywhere near him and he's within 30 yards of goal, you expect him to score. Um, there have been some interesting comparisons. We put up on our Instagram page quotes from Gennaro Gattuso and Ernan Crespo. Gattuso compared him to Jean Dal Thomason whereas Ernan Crespo compared him to Andrei Shevchenko. Um, Kev, you're of an age that you would have seen the two of these guys not only finish but start their careers. Do you think those comparisons are fair? I think that was a backhanded compliment. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, um, John Del Thomason, I didn't see a great deal of, I must admit. But um, Shevchenko, I don't think um, Piontek's quite at that level just yet I'm trying to trying to recall when Shevchenko broke into the uh, Dynamo Kiev side um, even though he benefited for having a really good partnership with uh, Sergi Rebron but there was the, the thing that I found really impressive about today's goal against Roma is if you just watch Piontek he does almost a little skip where he knows that he's then on his toes to make the run in and he doesn't make the run too early because that would alert Fazio to the fact that he would be in position to take the cross and it was all about the time and it wasn't the most you know exquisite of finishes it, you know it was a little scrappy but it was all about the run and the timing to deceive the centre half because Fazio will get blamed for not tracking him but it was about the he almost hesitates if you watch it back and I thought it was really um, 
you know, really impressing, showing, showing that's what he's got, really, that maybe gets him into the scoring positions as to why he's been so prolific. Yeah, it's the type of thing we've seen from, funnily enough, um, Gonzalo Higuain over the years. He He's not always the most mobile, but when he moves, he moves well. Um, but Kev, um, Shevchenko broke through at Kiev when he was 16, and the following season, he was their top scorer. So maybe Piontek's not up to that level. No, maybe not them. <laughs> um, Vito, you, you must be quite happy because this is an undoubted talent. He's clinical, he's lethal, he's unbelievable, he's strong, he's powerful, he's intelligent. And you can enjoy him now. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. You know, I don't have to watch him play for Genoa. He's out of there. And I think the way AC Milan is as a club now with the Elliott's investment group involved, the change of the board of directors, and there have been some additional signings to the squad as well, not just him. I think uh, he'll do well. And, yeah, I can praise him a bit more. I think he's great for Serie A. Oh, me too. I, I really like him. And it's one of those things that people who, even people living out here that don't watch Serie A, they always ask, what's this Piontek guy like? It's, it's nice being able to speak about someone that not everyone sees, even though there is a lot of hype about him. Kev, if we're going to talk about Roma, we, we missed a little bit, given that we record on Sunday nights, because we slaughtered them last week for conceding three goals in the second half against Atalanta, or three goals after the 44th minute against Atalanta. And then they went and with a pretty strong team, conceded seven at Fiorentina. And I was kind of expecting the floodgates to open a little bit again today, but they, they didn't. They, they kept it to one. And it's so hard to work out. Are Roma as terrible as the 7-1 would suggest? Or was that a complete freak? Um. I don't think it was a, a complete freak because they have the ability to sort of throw in a performance like that. But when you look at, you know, the way we're halfway through the season now and they were they were only a point off Milan uh, going into tonight's game and they were they were sort of fair for their, their point that they gained tonight as well. They maybe even shaded it ever so slightly. And then that's where I think that uh, Di Francesco is getting a bit of... Uh, undue criticism because it probably you know if they're if they're a point off fourth place it it probably shows that that's about their level. The argument there is you know should they be pushing the likes of Napoli harder than they are because Napoli are eleven fourteen points now ahead of Inter so they'll be nearly twenty points ahead of Roma. Yeah, thereabouts. The margin looks pretty. Uh, bad these days and uh, the way the league is looking looks like that third is the new first. Juve is clearly um, on top at the moment. Napoli are streets ahead of Inter and uh, looks like Inter are slipping. So I think there's an opportunity not just for Roma but for a few of the others like Milan, Atalanta, Lazio and maybe even Sampdoria to really put pressure on Inter for that third spot. That's a good point, that because we've been saying for, I don't know, since maybe October, that the Champions League places are going to be well up for grabs this season. And we just assumed that it would be Juve, then Mila, or then Inter and Napoli fighting for second. And then it would be that fourth place that was up for grabs. But now, Inter seemed like they might have taken the, their eye off the ball a little bit too much. And maybe it's going to be first and second are locked down. And even as, as high as third is, is up for grabs. I know I'm looking at Atalanta now. Atalanta are still eight points behind Inter, though they do have that game in hand tomorrow night. Samp are seven points. So it is quite a big gap. But you don't know because Inter just don't look bothered anymore. And it's really strange. And Kev, it looks like Spalletti is kind of running out of ideas there. Yeah, well, you know, we've said it for a while now that he's under pressure because there's some other fairly high-profile ex-Inter managers, if we think of Mourinho, that will be uh, sort of sniffing around or certainly the media would like to to kick up those rumours, I think, if they come about. But the, the team just 
they almost play like robots. You know, we've, we've, we've noted on countless occasions the lack of creativity. And it's almost they're doing, it looks like they're doing almost exactly what's asked of them. You know, almost as though he hasn't got a plan B at the moment. Yeah, it's, it is strange. But uh, what was striking tonight, Vito, I'm sure you'll be on board with this, is Inter needed a goal. So what was their plan B? It was to bring on Andrea Ranocchia as a makeshift striker. And I just thought back to, do you remember when David James came on as a striker for Manchester City all those years ago? It was the same. Andrea Ranocchia is a bad defender. Why would you put him up front? It's not his position. Um, Fido, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. Well, throughout his career, he's actually chipped in with the odd goal. So, you know, he does have his moments. But uh, when you need someone like Ranocchia to take a well-struck volley and then force a save out of Skorupski, that is extremely concerning. And it makes you wonder... um, what are Icardi and Lautaro Martinez doing to really rectify the situation? And if we go into the specifics to the one they lost to Bologna, Icardi only had one good chance earlier, if that, and then Martinez was wasteful with at least two chances. So, yeah, it's very concerning when your main scoring outlets aren't uh, putting the ball in the back of the net and then your worst centre-back has probably your best chance to score. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, we'll leave it for that game um, because we did have Dovsky Avone at the San Siro. He was also at the Juventus Stadium. Dov, you were at the Stadio Giuseppe Miazza this evening and the Allianz Stadium the night before. So we'll start with the with the Inter game. And what struck me was the Inter fans weren't too happy. But I want to know, is there anyone that they don't hate at the moment? Well, Mr. Clancy, uh, it looked like the. Well, actually, no, they don't hate Ro, uh, Rodrigo Palacio. They like him. He got a, a wee clap when he went off. I think he did a wee heart sign as well, but I think in the TV pictures, they cut away when he did it. He did a wee heart sign when he uh, was getting subbed off as well. They like him, but that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> from, the, from the people that were on the field uh, on the. Uh, on Sunday night. They don't like Mihailovic. He got booed. Obviously, he played for Inter, but then managed Milan. So he got booed when um, his name was read out. So did Perisic. So did Nainggolan. Um, they, even, they even did the, 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 the Curva, because the Curva was their first game back since they're banned for being racists. Um, they even did some wee um, monkey chants, or kind of the, or they were not monkey chants, but they were going boo, 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 when Mbai and Perisic had a wee thing about a handball late on in the game and oh. then the rest of the stadium tried to clap to try and like or, or tell them to shut up kind of thing to try and kind of go over it so um hashtag, write it don't say it Clancy write it don't say it well you've your little badge now don't you I've got, my, I've got a wee badge yeah, when they did their wee uh, what was probably thing. the worst attempt at tackling racism was to to hand out these badges and to put all the signs up when the people who were well, not actually see, there I see you say this right but it's really smart Tell you why? Because if the if the curva do it, Inter can just turn around and go, "Oh no, no, it's our campaign," and then nothing <laughs> happens to them. No, I'm, I'm being serious. It's smart. So they try and do it to try like what what's it they do to reclaim the word almost yeah. to reclaim it. But then if the curva do it like they did on Sunday, uh, they can just go, "Oh no, it's part of the it's part of the campaign." All right, we'll see if if something comes up in the week about the the boo boo boo. Yeah, no, nothing, well, nothing will come up about it because okay. I don't think many people noticed because the rest of the stadium got on it quickly in terms of cheering. and. You see that happen a lot here, actually, don't you? It's it's only since I've been going to games every week that I notice it pretty much all the time. But if it's only a small few group of people, it doesn't get picked up ever. Yeah. Well, so I, like, to be honest, I, did, I, did, I had to get told afterwards about it because I, I thought they were moaning that they were like, the crowd were jeering because it was kind of like they were kind of clapping and jeering and, and cheering and all the same thing. I thought they were moaning at Perisic because basically they, 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 cause they had done. Um, and it looked like, you know, when I just seen him put his hand up. So I thought that he kind of was saying something to the crowd or something like that. But then obviously it was afterwards I kind of realised what they were doing after kind of watching the close-up TV pictures um, oh. and talking to a few other people as well. But yeah, it's, it was interesting. <laughs> um, something else that was interesting 
yeah. was the decision that Luciano Spalletti made to to put the frog on. He 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 was without a goal. He needed someone to score a goal. So who better <sighs> to do it for him than his fourth choice defender? Well, well, that's when he went on, and I think everybody watching the game was thinking, oh, he's got Spalletti's going to play three at the back. That's that would look to me like that. That's what he was going to do. He's going to play three at the back, push wing backs up, and get kind of more people in through the centre. But Ranocchio then didn't go into defence. He stayed up front. I was like, wait a minute, they're playing Ranocchio up front, which is just it just it shows you the kind of the lack of depth that Inter have got in that position. Um, they've got essentially their two strikers are Lautaro and Icardi. Everybody else is a winger or, or, or like an attacking midfielder. They, they haven't got any... And even Lautaro, I mean, it's even arguable you can actually call him a striker mm. as well. And then when you're... And, and it just it shows you just the lack of depth in that area. When you're playing a defender who can't even get in the team in his specialist position. <laughs> so he's, he's, he specialises as a defender and he is their fourth choice at that, however, is their third choice striker. So maybe, <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe he should reinvent himself, get back that, that captain's bad. armband that he lost. Who knows? But it's just, it was just a bit. It was, it, to be fair to him, he almost scored. He forced a good save from Skorupski, but it was just a bit. It was a bit desperate, like really. Like, and yes, yeah, it, it just it does seem inter- desperate there, doesn't it? Right now it is, yeah. Like there, there's a, it's almost like there's a dark cloud hanging over every, everything kind of there. Like there's obviously the speculation over Spalletti. There's the, obviously the racism stuff. There's the, there's Perisic wanting to leave. Then the Curva hate him for that. Then then there's Nangaland. Does he want to stay? Does he want to leave? Does he want to go out and get wasted? Who knows? Nobody knows. Why? Well, what? Well, I do. Well, Nangaland doesn't to want to be a footballer. But, well, actually, not enough important people listen to this. <laughs> the reason he's unhappy is because he's not allowed to go out anymore. At all? Nope, he's been told he's not allowed. After oh. after the stuff that happened over, like, I think it was around Christmas, he's not allowed. So, And we all know how much Rajan Angeland likes to go out, Conor Clancy. We do. Um, and he's not allowed anymore, so he's, un- he's, he's unhappy. I'd be, I'd be like me taking away your love for Atalanta so you're not allowed to love Atalanta anymore and then just think you'd be depressed you'd be sad I would be, I would be so sad it's, so it's crazy. like that Langland likes to go to the club I tried to get a move to a, a lesser <laughs> Italian football website and there are plenty um, right oh, that's, that's do they go to the games though Conor Clancy <laughs> that's why they're lesser <laughs> so, so they, they lost to Torino last week and they were poor they got knocked out of the Coppa Italia in midweek and then they've lost to the the worst team I've seen this season every time I've seen them play. But okay. Bologna are good now. Bologna are right. good. Calm yourself down. They're good now. You, did you receive my video? They're good. Mihailovic um, has sorted them out. Is it is it just gonna get worse for Inter before it gets any better? Uh, I don't think so. I mean it's it's not it's not bad just now anyway. Like the the thing with the, like the Coppa Italia thing was they, they they wanted to win that to win a trophy but more more than that I think to stop Juventus winning the treble Juventus aren't in the Coppa Italia anymore so Juventus aren't going to win the treble so Inter can still have that um, kind of flag to wave at Juve third in Serie A better than last season and that's pretty much nailed on they're they're not going to get second but they're not going to drop into that kind of fourth spot race so fine brilliant and then again their first season back in the Champions League fourth in the in the the pots for the group stages they did well they they should have went through they all they they didn't but they they kind of they didn't embarrass themselves, so well, it's fine. Like you, what what else do you expect them to do? They can't win every game. At this point last year, they had a blip as well, where they were just rubbish for a few games. So I mean, they've got Parma next, then they play Rapid Vienna, Sampdoria. So they're no, they'll be all right. They'll be fine. They just need to cal- They just honestly need to calm down, and just kind of 
sort themselves out a little bit, kind of dust themselves down and just kind of re- reset almost. I mean, Spalletti was saying after the game about his mentality, and I think Ranocchia said it as well. It's, a, it's all a psychological thing. It's a mental thing that he's been moaning about since he bloody joined the club. So you just think, right, if there's a mental that you need to, you need to sort out, either the coach sorts out, bring somebody in to sort out, but there's a mental problem in that club. And I think it, it's not just the players. I think it's something that kind of, um, when we've done our inter-specials with Nima, he, he said that the club's crazy. It's always been crazy. And Spalletti has kind of brought brought everything together almost and everybody's pulling in the right way. But there's still that kind of... Well, it's Pat signed there. Yeah, well, yeah, there's still that there. It's still, it's in the club. And they just go a bit crazy and they overreact. And I think, just take it. Just relax. There's nothing. There's nothing else that they can do this season. They're going to finish third. A Europa League run. Like, do they really care that much about winning the Europa League? Like, really, really? Probably not. No. no. So, like, what? Like, what else are you going to do? You're going to finish third. It's fine. You're going to get the Champions League again. It's fine. So just relax. Buy a striker. <laughs> 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 there, there you go. Right, I'm done. Done there on Inter. striker. Okay, I, I'm just looking. Inter have lost six games this year, which is more than Torino. Yeah, but they've won more than Torino. I know, yeah. It, but it's crazy that they've lost that many. And Torino well, lost a few, maybe. Yeah, but will Torino, will Torino draw? Torino defend? I think yeah. you've, seen, you've seen that against yeah, Spal. Torino defend. Whereas Inter obviously are expected to go win games. But so. Inter don't. Inter defend too. Uh, nah, to be honest, today they didn't defend. They, they, against Bologna, they didn't defend. They're just they're inept up front. They, they should have had at least three goals. Three. There wasn't like three half chances. It was three like four fifths chances or something like. There, there should have been goals, and they're just not going in. So I think give it a couple of games, and those, those chances instead of being like two inches the wrong side of the post, will be two inches the other side of the post, and we'll all be talking about how brilliant Inter are again, like we were at the start of the season. So. Football's a bit reactionary. Like a couple it of bad, a couple of bad games. We're like, oh my god, it's crazy. We need to sack Spalletti and sack and do this and do that. It's like, no, no. Speaking of reactionary, dog. What is it? Juventus. Oh, they've, they've lost the Atalanta. They're, they're, t- they're rubbish. They're rubbish, mate. They're they're they're, they're as well just giving up now. Relegate them. Allegri out. Allegri out. Ronaldo. What a waste of money. Terrible. What are we gonna do? What happened in Turin last night? They just they they. Allegri said it. They switched off. In the last 15 minutes. Literally just switched off. Is this because they didn't have the that elite? They didn't have Benucci Chiellini? No, I don't think... I think Chiellini is the thing. Yeah. I think, well, well, you've seen that against Atalanta. Before Chiellini went off, they were fine. As soon as Chiellini went off, it was, it was like, oh my God, here is Duvan Zapata. And, yeah. then, yeah. and then it was kind of... Obviously, Chiellini didn't start, and you had Martin Casares, who is not... The Juventus's level and Rugani, who I think you're you're kind of struggling to to make a case for him being at Juventus's level and having potential because he's not come on since he's moved to the club. He's and, gone backwards. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's gone backwards. He's just kind of stagnated. He's had two years of essentially not playing football, so he's not going to get any better. And then you you let a guy go, Benassia, in January, who was arguably Juve's best player last season, and probably should be playing in the centre central or should have been playing the central defence alongside Chiellini. And he gets annoyed because Bonucci's getting that game time and Benessia wasn't. So he's like, right, fine. Toys out of the pram, I'm going to go and earn loads of money. Um, and uh, where is he? In the, in the United Arab Emirates or Qatar or something like that. Or Saudi Arabia. So he's going to earn loads of money. So you're thinking, right. And then you bring in Martin Cáceres. Martin Cáceres isn't very good. There's a reason to let him go. He wasn't even playing for Lazio. Well, well, he just went there, did he not? He just went there in Jan. Like, yeah, the start of, was it the summer he went there? Was the it? Summer, yeah. Yeah, so, so, he, so he can't get a game for Lazio. And they, they wanted Bruno Alves from Parma. <laughs> like, they actually, they, that was a serious bit for Bruno Alves, but Parma said no. So you, you're kind of thinking they're scraping the barrel a little bit. But the thing is, again, the same thing with Inter. When Chiellini's back, when Bonucci's back, when Alexandro's back in the team, Chesney and Perrin, you can swap one for the other. They're essentially the same. Um, they'll be fine. 
<laughs> it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's it just kind of one of those things. It was so surreal to watch Gervinho like do an amazing back heel and score, and then in the last like the last kick of the game, he's free in the box and he's got the whole goal to aim for, and he smashes it straight at the keeper. <laughs> and it just so happens that the keeper kind of didn't manage to save it, but he's. He, I think he's funny, isn't he? Because he's so difficult to stop. Because but, he doesn't know what he's yeah, trying exactly to do. Exactly it. Exactly he it. He doesn't know what he's trying to do. So how the hell is a defender supposed to work out what he's trying to do if he doesn't even know what's going on? Yeah. It's so it's really it's funny to watch because you can see the defender go right away. Right, he's going this way all way, and then he's kind of like like falling about. Oh, man, he's falling about. No. But obviously, I've been to Parma quite a few times this season. How, and it's, why is that going to clancy? I'm living here, mate. You put it where? In, in Italy? Yeah. So, how, so wait, how do you go, do you go to the games? I, I do. Are we doing this? Yeah, I do. Well, of course we're doing games. this. I'm sure you yeah. did it on the podcast without me. Yeah, of course I did. Um, start and finish the pod with, <laughs> with that line. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah, right. What were you going to say? Um, because we go to the games, I've seen Gervinho in the flesh quite a lot. And I, I've, seen always... him, I've seen him at the games on Saturday at the, the Allianz Stadium at Juventus in Turin. Yeah, I know you did. Well, you mm. shut up for a minute and let me speak. <laughs> um, so, but that goal Gervinho scored against Cagliari when he, he beat four players mm. and then nearly messed up the shot at the end because he hit the inside of the post, but it went yeah. in. That sums him up because he just puts his head down and runs and it's like he, every touch is miscontrol. So he doesn't know where any touch is going to go, and he just reacts to it. But as soon as his teammates see that he's beaten one player, they just go. They don't know where they're going, but they all just go because they know something will happen. Yeah. And defenders absolutely crap themselves when they see him run yeah. at them. No, pretty much. That's essentially what it is. Like he didn't get, he got a few opportunities and he was good. And and Roberto Inglesi had a, a, a good time against the the UV centre backs. Um, but Kuchka, who obviously just signed for Parma, he was impressive. I really liked him. Like he he was kind of he was driving the game forward. I think he assisted Barilla's goal. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe, yeah, I think it was Barilla's goal he assisted, and then I, cut, I think he tested Perina a couple of times in the first half as well. Like he looks like he could be a good sign-in for Parma. He's exactly um, what they needed because Leo Stulak can do that, but he's got a a bit of a disciplinary problem. Like he's a bit mad. And, and <laughs> well, Kuchka used to be a bit mad. Yeah, but Kuchka's matured a little bit. Well, he's, he's a problem. dad now. He's doing. He did hashtag dad life on Instagram today. <laughs> You following on Instagram now? I know, Forza Time Football follow him on Instagram. Do we? <laughs> Apparently so, yeah, I didn't realise either. But they came Who up that? <laughs> Who's done that? I don't know, I blame Vieri. Alright, um, yeah, but he's exactly what they need. I think I, I tweeted that he'd be a good sign and I'll stand by it. 
think it'll be good. Yeah, well, yeah, he, he, he did it. He did it against Juve. But I think, again, same thing, like I said, with Inter Juve. It's just people need to relax about the kind of Allegri out. Like, what the hell? Like, Allegri out, what else do you want him to do? I know. Like, he's literally, like, he's unbeaten so far this season, right? Okay, the Coppa Italia. But again, it's something he's won the last four years. Who cares? Like, Juventus want to win the Champions League. I think he cares, though. It, like, Juventus cared about that because they sent out a very strong team. So they weren't taking it lightly. Yeah, but yeah, I, but it's, it's very, they sent out a strong team, but then it's a bit motivation as well. Like, how much do they really care about the Coppa Italia? Like, if there's one competition you can really not be bothered about, it's the Coppa Italia. But again, they've got Serie A, Serie A's wrapped up, and it's about the Champions League. I think the one thing I will say about it is, like, some of the def- defensive issues and kind of the, 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 the lack of concentration, which is something that is a problem they've had all season. They've just they've got away with it in a few games more often than not. It's where they just switch off. Like, like I get they did it against Genoa, they switched off and they, they drew that game, but a lot of the like, more, like well, pretty much every other game they've played they've switched off but they've got away with it because they've been that far ahead and I think when they do play Atletico they can't afford to do that because Atletico will punish and again Atletico won't concede as much as well so I think that's a little bit of a worry but, This is uh, it, um, Adam Digby actually friend of Hashtag FIF at the games was saying on Twitter this week out there's two sides to this argument and both of them are kind of wrong. One side is Allegri needs to get sacked immediately, whereas the other is everything is perfectly fine, whereas the truth is somewhere in the middle. Because yeah, that's because Adam, Adam sits on the fence. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's right. He's right. There's, there's somewhere in the middle. Allegri maybe has, he needs to sort out the kind of issues that they're having mentally. I think he needs to rest Ronaldo as well. I think Ronaldo's played every single game. Yeah. Which I think I think no, I think he's maybe had one or two where he's been on the bench, but he's, he's came on. It needs like Ronaldo when Ronaldo was at Real Madrid when Zidane was there the first season. I think Zidane said to him, "Right, you're not gonna start every game. Basically, the away away games. He was like, right, you're not playing the away games. You can play the home games, take it easy, relax, but you're not coming to the away trips. It's too much. And then when you get to the end of the season, you'll be fresh for the kind of running of either Champions League, La Liga, or whatever." And then they won three Champions Leagues in a row because Zidane yeah. told Ronaldo this is what's happening. And because he's Zidane, Ronaldo, listen, Allegri, I don't think Allegri has that um, air about him. That's, oh boy, obviously it doesn't because Zidane's Zidane. Mm. But when, when Ronaldo signed for Juve, we thought that he'd be rested in a lot of the Serie A games. But when, when Juve played Atalanta on the 26th of December... Ronaldo didn't start and that was the first time he hasn't started all season the only other minutes of Serie A he missed were the 16 at the end of the Fiorentina game when he came off early because they were 3-0 mm. up yeah so he's, 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 he's and he, uh, he played in the Coppa didn't he as well he's played he's played he's played every game and I think that's that could be a mistake because um, he's, <laughs> he's he's almost 34 like as, as much as he's like he is a robot like you need to you need to manage his fitness mm. uh, throughout a season but I, again you can kind of break that down and say well he's probably not need to, he's not really kind of d- doing that much running Mandzukic does all he's running for him um, he's playing against a lot of crap teams in Serie A so it doesn't doesn't really need to bother that much so it might be alright but I just think give him a right just let him have a week off like one weekend, just say, right, take it easy. You're not gone. You're not traveling to Frosinone or whatever, mm. or you're not traveling to Udine or something like that. Just yeah. take it easy. We don't, they don't need Ronaldo to win the games in Serie A. So, yeah, I, I don't think UV fans should be too worried. Like, but I, I, domestically, I think I'd maybe say in the Champions League, the issues that we've kind of seen and the injury problems and stuff like that, I think those could maybe be a problem. But mm. still, they've got Ronaldo. So even if they are a problem, he could score a hat trick, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> he likes playing against Atletico Madrid, and he does like playing Atletico Madrid. Indeed, he does. Yeah, he'll be all right. All right, Dov. Thank there you. you no worries. No worries at all. Um, where are you off to next week? Uh, next week, uh, where am I? Where am I off to next week? Oh, I've got, oh, I've got the big one on Friday, Kievo against Roma, and then <laughs> then a, 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 a bigger one on Saturday, Fiorentina against Napoli. I've got I'm a, I have a great weekend next weekend. 
Yeah, you're seeing the two Milan teams. And I'm seeing a game in between as well. Oh, you're going, you're going to see... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to Parma, Inter, and then mm. I'm... Atalanta Spa. i my accreditation and my credibility to go to Atalanta Spa. Exactly. Well, then credibility? You had credibility? Yeah, of course. Then right. I'm becoming a professional again for Milan Cagliari. So that's right. going to be a good weekend. Yeah, it could be a good weekend. Atalanta could be in fifth place in... Uh, uh, by the time you get to that game, so yeah, well, they could be a point off fourth place. So yeah. let's hope so. But imagine, imagine they won't be Atalanta. because Atalanta do this. They they smashed Inter four one and then threw away two goal lead to lose three two to Empoli. So mm. they'll lose to Cagliari tomorrow night. Because <laughs> Cagliari have got King Volter or Bierstos, you're screwed. Uh, Pavoletti loves the goal against Atalanta too. So. It's a recipe for disaster. Ah, there you, go. you might win the cup out. Did you see actually? There was a thing on. I can't, I can't remember where I seen it. It was uh, doing. What year were Atalanta formed? Nineteen oh seven. Right. Add like fifty nine to that or something. I think. What's fifty nine? Nineteen oh seven. Fifty nine plus seven is sixty seven. Right. No, sixty five. Right. Add fifty six. Fuck sake. Um, like next. 2021. No, 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 no. Add 56 to 190, whatever, when Atalanta were formed. Oh, 1963. That's the year they won it, right? Right. And if you add 56 to 1963, what do you get? Oh, it's this year. Yeah. Magic. Atalanta so, winning the cup. Win the cup every 56 years. <laughs> Thanks for that, Matt's at half three in the morning Bob I appreciate that <laughs> that's what all the listeners have been waiting for really after a long day um, um, oh wait hold on Can I, I need to plug something before we uh, before you go away I've, uh, there, there will be an interview uh, on the kind of midweek actually I'm going to plug two things so, so sorry Connor um, first off go and listen to the podcast I did with Colin O'Brien a fellow Irish chap like yourself about Roma and why Roma are the way they are. It's really interesting. It's actually really interesting. Did you tell him you were recording him this time? I did, yeah. He made that uh, a prerequisite (laughs) before he would talk to me. Good. (laughs) So, yeah, he did that. And then this week we have an interview with Fior, not Fiorentina, Juventus woman central defender or defender uh, Petronella Ekroth. So she's Ah, nice. She's going to and, tell us about what it's like being a woman footballer coming from Sweden to Italy and kind of all the things that's happened in UV women's team and stuff like that. So, right, yeah. well, while you're plugging stuff about women's football... Oh, just plugging stuff. That, I've got an article that I'll be writing this week about an Irish woman's footballer who was playing for Florentia in Florence. Oh, there we go. Look at this. Hashtag, go, hashtag equality. There you go. Yeah, there all you right. Go. Right, that's that it. it. Plugs, plugs are done. Um, plugs done. Yeah, I'm going to go... Where can they see these things, though? Well... Don't just tell them to go and get them. You have to tell them where. Well, I assume, they're, I assume if they're listening to this, they have been to ForzaItalianFootball.com. I would hope so, anyway. You're giving them too much credit. <sighs> they don't, they don't, <laughs> don't say that. These people are highly respected and valued members of the listening-slash-reading-slash-watching audience. ForzaItalianFootball.com Yeah, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook... And all that I'll rubbish. do that at the end of the pod, don't worry about it. Yeah, right, very good. Uh, <laughs> right, got our clients. It's a pleasure, as always. Thank you, Dove. And then, guys, we can look briefly at Juve Parma because I, I, I have spoken to Dove about it, but this deserves analysis from us too, I think. I want to talk about Bobby English, to be honest, because he's... He's quite unsung. He was he was getting praise on the commentary the other night, and I thought he was quite good. He's been scoring goals for Parma. He's linking everything together there. Jovino gets a lot of the praise because he he does the the sublime. But without Inglese, Jovino can't do what he does, and he's been awarded with an Italy call up. If I'm not mistaken, I've got the squad here. He's in the team. He's in the team, yeah. So it's deserving, Vito. Are you happy to see Roberto Inglese in there? I do believe he deserves a place in the Italian squad. And compared to some of the other strikers that have been called up in recent times, um, I think he's justified it with his work ethic and he has a decent amount of goals too. 
Whereas you compare him to his former Karpi teammate, Kevin Lasagna, who's at Udinese, he's been rubbish. And uh, I'm puzzled as to why he's even in the squad. I don't understand that either because he's been in a couple. Mancini obviously quite likes him, but I can't wrap my head around what he has done this season to warrant selection. Mm. But Kev, I I wrote about Juventus last week and the piece got more reads after they threw away their lead against Parma than it did in the few days building up to the game. But they they started with Leonardo Spinazzola, Martin Caceres, Daniela Rugani and Joao Cancelo as their back four. And that's quite problematic, as was proven evident by them conceding three goals. But were they too quick to let Benatia go? Like Because they haven't got all that depth. Bonucci's been disappointing this season at times. And have we just assumed that Juventus have this depth that they don't actually quite have I don't know, I don't think they have the depth in defence anymore um, that they used to have and I'd go back to Perrin was uh, was obviously swapped in for, for Chesney there's I'd be concerned if I was a Juventus fan about them being able to achieve this you know or continue this long term success with the back four there even if you remove uh, Spinazzola and you allow for Alex um Alexandro to come back in. I think it's that central area of the defence that the Allegri. You think back a few years when Allegri lost. I believe it was Tevez, Vidal, Pogba, and Pirlo all in one summer. But you know, he just it seamlessly went past. And over the last few years, you've lost uh, Buffon. Obviously, Bonucci went for a year, but then that that entire back line isn't getting any younger. And I don't think. Juve have strengthened adequately to sort of have a long-term succession to that that defensive uh, issues that they're going to have. Um, I have my moments where I doubt Rigani. Um, and when it comes to Medi Benascia, Caceres is probably about the same, but he's not played very much for Lazio, so... Yeah, well, I think the fact that he's not played at Lazio is telling. If Medi Benascia was at Lazio, he'd play every week. I think Benatti is a, a couple of levels above Caceres, personally. I mean, Rugani, I think. Rugani's bust, at this level anyway. I think he could do a job at the tier below. But for Juventus, I know he scored at the weekend. He's he's just not at that level. They brought De Cilio in as well. You know, the mistake he made against Atalanta midweek. And, you know, it just, it's just they've not... They need to go for that level above, and it's whether they've got the financial clout, particularly after they spent, let's say, a huge chunk of their budget on Ronaldo. Um, and and who do they go for? We spoke about them potentially buying Donnarumma as a replacement for Buffon long term, but is there anybody in in Italy, which is often where they would go and cherry pick? Uh, you know, have they, as they have in the past with the likes of Pjanic and Bernadeschi and. You know, where are the centre-halves in Italy that they choose from, I suppose, if they're not going to compete with the likes of PSG and Manchester City for top-quality defensive reinforcements? Yeah, well, this is because they had Caldara, too, and then they decided to give him, to, to pass him on as part of the the crazy summer that was. Um, right, let's move on from that, because Dov has said enough about that game. And, Vito, we'll come to you. Napoli 3, Sampdoria 0. The, the big story from this, obviously, is nothing to do with Napoli winning. It's the fact that Fabio Quagliarella didn't get the record. It's a shame that he did not get it, but uh, to equal the record set by the great Gabriel Battistuta is still a great achievement in itself. And to do that at 36 years old is even more remarkable. So I think he'll still be happy with that. As what? for the game itself, just what Qualiarella should do is not play for the rest of this season, say that he was injured in that match, and then start next season or the season after really well, and then just decide that he can add those two things together and he can have like a 24-game run or something. Kev, what do you think? <laughs> oh, well, I, I did wonder if he was injured on, um, on Saturday because you didn't see him very much. 
I was more surprised because I hadn't seen the Italy announcement until I looked after the game that he'd been called up. Now, okay, he's he's doing great and he's you know he's still belying his years, but you think Italy are in a position where they need to be looking to the future and trying to sort of build something. And I think it's that argument that it's only a training, you know, it's a training exercise. There's no games. He's not gonna he's not gonna gain another cap. It's it's why have him in and around the squad. I don't know. I know I quite like it because. Who else are they going to... Because they've got... Kevin Lasagna's in there. Domenico Baraghi's oh, yeah, in there. there. Um, Moise Ken is in there, and he's not done everything he could to get in there. Um, and Immobile has been tried. It doesn't seem to work. Balotelli is Balotelli. Belotti, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to work either. Why not just give Quagliarella his, his one last shot at it, I guess. it's. I think it's quite a nice gesture. Um, maybe it'd be different if it was a, I don't know, an important situation, but no, I'm, I'm all for it. I love Quagliarella. Give him whatever he wants. Let him be captain. Let him play. Put him on penalties, free kicks, whatever he wants. Um, all right. But Vito, the game itself. Napoli, you'd think they would deserve the points because they've got a stronger team and they, Took their chances, but I must say it was also a bit of defensive suicide on Sampdoria's part, especially with the two goals in the first half. Um, well, with the cross from Callejon to set up Milik, no one was able to cut out that cross. And then for the second goal, um, Insigne wasn't well marked and he was free to shoot at Odero. And uh, the scary thing about that is that Odero has... He's going to be bought outright at the end of the season, and he's a young goalkeeper, but I don't think he's anywhere as promising as Donnarumma or Alex Merritt at Napoli. I find him to be very inconsistent. So, yeah, I reckon that was a bizarre, bizarre decision. Yeah, he's one of those. He, he always feels like he's never quite in control. He always looks rushed or a little bit panicked, and it must just strike nerves into the his teammates, because I've been there a few times this season, and when when the ball is around and people aren't completely relaxed, they're not completely composed, and there is that little distrust there, and obviously that's going to play into how he feels as well. It's not it's not an ideal situation. Um, over to Napoli then, Kev. It's looking like Marek Amsic has played his last game for the club, which I know he spoke about the the temptation to move to China in his autobiography and that, but this seems premature. Yeah, I I have to keep reminding myself that he's he's still only thirty one. Uh, I know there's an argument that he's been at he's been at Napoli for for just over ten years now, and you know it, it's then hard to go to another another Serie A club. Um, you know, if you're just going for for game time, um, but you just think you know. It, it, we we spoke off air about he can't do it week in week out anymore. But they will have injuries, you know, and and they'll need his experience at some points later in the season. Maybe even if that's in the Europa uh, Europa League, and you wonder just whether he could have held off to the summer and then maybe uh, reevaluated what he was going to do, because um, it does it just feels really premature. It's strange, isn't it? Because after 520 games, you do still feel like he has a little bit more to offer. And it is kind of shocking that he's only 31 because he's not been able to play full 90-minute games for the last two years. Last season, we used to say on the pod that if you wanted a surefire way to win money, put all of your money on Marek Hamšík being taken off between the 65th and the 75th minute because it happened every single week because he couldn't do it. It is strange, but at the same time, yeah, if they're going to be challenging on more than one front, you would expect he's useful to keep around, even for his presence in the dressing room. Because we spoke about Zielinski last week and how he's probably, it's probably his time to take over that position now. But is he going to be as comfortable doing it without Hamshik there to kind of to hold his hand or to, to be there in training to help him? deal with situations I don't know it's a difficult situation you do feel like he just has a lot more to offer there in some capacity and it, yeah it's, it's hard to work out but let's move on again we'll go quickly through the rest of the scores because my voice is not going to hold out for too much longer um, 
Empoli 2, Chievo 2. This was strange, but Vito, I'll come to you because you love Caputo and he's scored 11 goals in 22 games and he's not in the Italy mm-hmm. squad. It's very strange considering that, as we mentioned earlier, someone like Kevin Lasagna made the team and he's only scored one or two goals this season. Caputo is probably the main reason why Empoli would have a chance of uh, surviving relegation this season. He's another Italian late bloomer. And he knows how to take his chances very well too. He's got great goal sense, but he's a very good finisher as well. I really hope that, uh, you know, he maintains this run so Empoli can stay up. And, yeah, if this situation where Italy strikers, the ones who who are in the prime, aren't picking up form, or even if the youngsters are not taking that step as yet, we might have to see the Azzurri pick up another veteran striker like Caputo out of necessity just so we can find someone who can actually put the ball in the net. I know I, I stuck up for Qualiarella, and I don't mean to stick the boot in on Caputo, but it, it's a sorry state of affairs, isn't it, where we're talking about a 36-year-old Qualiarella and Empoli striker to be coming to the Italy squad to solve their problems, given the hype that so often surrounds Ciro Mobile and Andrea Bellotti. But this is where, if you're Caputo, you must look at that squad and think, okay, people are being picked on merit because Qualiarella's you know, significantly, you could argue, even older than him. And then you think, well, you know, then what have I done not not to get in when like, Vito uh, adds that uh, Lasagna's in there? Yeah, it's an unusual one. Um, anyway, moving swiftly on, Udinese won Fiorentina, won Kev. This is Fiorentina in a nutshell, isn't it? Because they've, they've been looking good in recent weeks. Then they go to Udinese and they can't beat them. Yeah, obviously the the arrival of Luis uh, Muriel seemed to give them a little bit of a attacking edge that they were missing before because, um, God, I'm going to forget now, but there was the period where they went five or six games without scoring. Did they have consecutive nil-nils? But, yeah, there were. You know, they, they, it might have been one goal in seven matches or something. Yeah, so they seem to get get that out of their system and now they're shipping goals like nobody's business a lot, or you're just looking really inconsistent. Um, and then, you know, you look at what they did in the Coppa Italia and you just think that's what doubts that makes me doubt that they will, will get into the European places this year. And the fact that it's so competitive up there too. Mm. You do have these teams who are, who have been doing it all season really, but because where you lay blame, I suppose, is, is the other thing that people are looking at. Mm. Um, I was reading somewhere that Pioli's getting a little bit more time than would possibly be afforded because of the the situation everybody at the club need had to deal with last year with um, a story's sad passing. Um, but but at some stage, if they want to kick on, then somebody has to get to the bottom of where their problems lie. Yeah, it could be a case of Pioli sees out this season and then they cut their ties. But where do they even go from there? Like, what? What's the next logical step for them? Because they would be usually looking at coaches of the level of the likes of Atalanta and Sampdoria, but Gasparini wouldn't go to Fiorentina from Atalanta, and I doubt Gianpaolo would either. So, And they, they would kind of fit with the kind of football they want to play in Florence. So I don't really know what the plan would be. Um, Fido, I'm going to make you talk about Genoa, because they did let Piontek go, but it doesn't really matter because they've got Antonio Sanabria, who has scored two and two. He's proven to be a decent acquisition for the Grifone. And it's interesting to note that Sanabria was at Roma about five years ago, but he was very young then. And around that time, not many Serie A clubs were giving youngsters a chance, as well as Roma being in the title race slightly. You know, say slightly because... They obviously fade off often, which is a bit of a shame. But uh, he's had that experience in Spain with uh, Real Betis and uh, now he's in Genoa where, you know, there's not as much pressure to perform like at Roma and uh, perhaps he might benefit with that, especially with a coach like Cesare Prandelli who seems to be having a bit of a career revival of his own. Yeah, well, if he gets the service that Piontek was getting, who knows? Kev, there was something from this game that you particularly enjoyed. 
Yes, the assist for the goal. <laughs> it was good, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, because I had a note at first. Uh, uh, Kuame for Genoa rose with two defenders and then was rolling around um, injured uh, as uh, Sanabria struck the ball home. And I thought, oh, he's, he's got a stray got a stray elbow or maybe the back you know he's head butted the back of somebody's head and it turns out he just took his eye off the ball and it hit him square in the face and then landed to the uh, uh to the to his uh, stroke partner and it was just it just tickled me uh ever so slightly it's so funny because they footballers play everything at such a high level that you you do forget how precise everything is so it's nice to have these little reminders sometimes that they can make simple mistakes too which is great and then the last game was, well, it was the one I was at. I was at another nil-nil this week. Spal-Torino wasn't the best of games. It was, it was nice because, for personal reasons, obviously, it meant that I have seen every Serie A team in the flesh this season. And Spal's a really nice stadium to go to, the, the Paolo Mazza. I was there. It was either at the beginning of last season or before that, the year before. I can't remember, quite possibly the beginning of last season, and they hadn't redeveloped it fully. So the end where the away fans are and the far side, the side away from the dugouts and the press area, didn't have a roof on, and it was a really nice stadium then. And then going back today, it was it, it's so much nicer. The atmosphere there is always really good. Spal fans are great. And it's just a shame because... They haven't been rewarded for their support on the pitch this season because Spal have only won twice at home all year. They've not won at home in their last nine games now, I think it is. And it's quite strange because they started the season so brightly and we were praising them not only for getting results, but for playing quite a a decent brand of football, which they did last season too. And it's kind of slowed down quite dramatically there and you would like to see them get back to it because they will probably need to now because Bologna have parted away with people and Zaghi so they might actually pick up some points pressure's probably on Spal but there was something I enjoyed from this game which was Nicolas and Kulu got sent off rightly um, two yellow cards no complaints unless you are Walter Mazzari because in the press conference afterwards he was so angry that he was doing demonstrations of fouls on himself. It was fantastic. He was playing the role of Pilotti and these imaginary defenders. So at one point it seemed like he had four arms the way he was grabbing himself. It was amazing. And he was slapping his chest, slapping his hands, clapping, screaming at journalists really intensely, but not aggressively. It was weird. He was just so passionately explaining his points and the journalists were loving it. Like, yeah. But, and, was, and this is the person that had some time off earlier in the season for, let's say, a stress-related issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, he's mad. Matsari is he's crazy. And you would hope that someone will be able to control him. What I noticed about going to the press conference is all of the coaches have someone sit beside them, obviously, like the press officer. Matsari's I don't know if it's Matsari's decision or Torino's, that their press guy just kind of stands in the background. So Matsari often sits there alone. So if he gets asked a question, he just answers it. Whereas a lot of the time the press officer is like, no, you're not doing that. Or they will decide who to go to. Matsari just kind of jumps around the room himself, which is interesting. But maybe if he got someone to help him with that situation, he wouldn't have quite as much stress on his hands. Because my voice is about to stop. So I think we should stop. Because the audio version of the podcast will have more because I've spoken to Dove, so I'll add that in. But I'm not going to make it through another five minutes. So that's all we have time for. That's all my throat has time for. Um, Kev, thank you again for joining us this week. Uh, It's my pleasure. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. And Vito, thanks to you. Nice, Connor. It's enjoyable once again. And for everyone listening, of course, head over to ForzaItalianFootball.com for all of your Serie A match coverage, Champions League coverage, Italian international coverage, Europa League coverage, Coppa Italia coverage. Because we're at the games and no other English-speaking Italian website is. So stick with us. Follow us on Instagram at ForzaItalianFootball, on Facebook at ForzaItalianFootball and on Twitter at Serie A FFC. But if you look up Forza Italian Football, you will find us there too. 
And that is all there is for me to say. Until next time. So it's ciao for now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.